Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hope Mindful Compassion Show. My name is Paul Garrigan and I look after the mindfulness program here at Hope. Uh, my name is Chris Hatcher and I'm one of the counsellors here. So today, Chris, what we're going to talk about is uh, abstinence versus harm reduction. So before we, we begin, can we kind of define what we mean by those two things? Sure. Well, we'll start, uh, we'll start with abstinence. Um, you know, and the idea of abstinence is refraining from any use of mind-altering chemicals uh, of any sort uh, in order to achieve recovery from addiction, uh, getting them out of your body and not placing any more into your body. And then the idea of harm reduction is substituting different drugs um, or mind-altering chemicals uh, in order to reduce the harm, in order to uh, reduce risks that are inherent with addiction. Right. Just just going back to the abstinence, because it might clear something up. So, and when we talk about abstinence, are we talking about abstinence from, say, one specific drug, or are we talking about abstinence from kind of recreational drugs in general? So, say someone has a coke problem. We're talking about abstinence from everything, so all recreational uh, or mind-altering drugs, um, because some of those can be given by a doctor uh, as a prescription, and also alcohol. So, complete abstinence from everything. So, some people might say that, you know, the clients that we get here at Hope, that they already have been kind of doing harm reduction, and that's what kind of, you know, and it didn't work out, that's why they're kind of here. What would you say to that? I'd say that they absolutely have. You know, I'd say that the majority of uh, people who do struggle with addiction have tried many different things to try to control or limit their using. You know, uh, there's some very quite common ways of doing that, right? You know, some, if you're an alcoholic, it's quite common to switch to beer, right? Yes. Or try to limit yourself to five or six beers a night. Or I'll only drink after six in the evening. Yeah, absolutely. And setting these limits and rules for yourself that uh, more frequently than not don't work out very well. I mean... And, and when we, we're talking about harm reduction here, are we talking about something more structured than that, or more organized than that? Yes, and that's, uh, that's the thing. You know, there's a lot of harm reduction that, that people do on their own, you know, their, their own self-harm reduction. But there's also many structured programs out there. There's methadone maintenance programs. There's suboxone maintenance programs. Both of those are, are directed towards heroin addiction. Um, but there's also uh, marijuana maintenance programs for... Uh, other drugs and other uh, forms of alcohol abuse. Um, there was uh, one that I was just thinking of. I mean, we talked about yesterday, I think, about that, um, like, say, in, in places like, uh, in, like Holland and stuff with alcoholics, they kind of, people who have no interest in stopping, that they'll actually kind of give them work and actually pay them in beer and stuff like that. Absolutely. And, would that, would uh, that fall into, under harm reduction? It would absolutely fall into harm reduction. Some other things that would fall under harm reduction are safe injection sites yeah. for heroin users. So giving them a place with nurses to be able to administer, um, you know, obviously the methadone and suboxone maintenance programs, um, needle exchanges. All of these are different methods in order to be able to reduce the harm on the community. And what's the kind of the philosophy behind harm reduction? Because I mean, some people might say, "Well, hold on, you should you should do this getting these people to stop." So, what's the kind of philosophy behind that? Well, the philosophy behind harm reduction um, basically has to do with that if these addicts, these active addicts, were out using on the street, sharing needles, 
you know, using these hard drugs every single day, then the harm to themselves and the harm to the community would be massive, yeah. right? You know, they're, they're sharing needles, so the risk of, you know, sharing diseases is huge. They're, you know, injecting in public, so they're leaving these needles around, um, and they're massively risking themselves of overdose every single day, sometimes yeah. multiple times a day. You know, now, the idea of harm reduction is basically removing that harm, or not removing it, but limiting that harm to themselves and the community. Yeah, because I've seen, you know, and I, I don't agree with this, and I don't think you, you do either, but I mean, there's some people who would kind of say that, well, you know, you shouldn't really be helping making things easier for these people because by making it easier, you're kind of, you know, you're encouraging them to keep on using. Absolutely, and the point that they're missing is that that's still a human being, and, yeah. you know, that harm reduction could be saving the life of a human being. Because, I mean, you thought that was for, in your case. Absolutely, absolutely. I was, you know, using harm reduction uh, programs for five or six years. You know, one of the things that uh, that my doctor had said to me at one point, because my dad was frustrated because I was in the harm reduction program, but I kept going in and out of that program, you know, and going to use heroin and, and you know, not really fulfilling it. And, and the doctor said to me, uh, if he needs 51 tries, uh, give him 52. And what if someone had come along and said, or even said now, oh, you know, they were just enabling you? What would you say to that? I would say that they were to a point. 100%, you know, uh, but the reality is I wasn't ready, and it wouldn't have mattered if uh, if I was enabled or not enabled. Because yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, because one of the benefits, I suppose, from these programs, I wonder going to, yeah, some people are just never going to kind of want to quit, but I suppose at least improving things for people, it can improve enough where they might actually be then ready. It kind of opens the door for something, you know, a much bigger possibility, doesn't it? It does, and well, it can, you know, and that's kind of part of the philosophy behind it, that, you know, if, if they can stabilize these people to a point, they might, you know, recognize that, hey, I'd like to get my life together, I'd like to actually try total abstinence. Mm -hmm. The other thing it does is it allows, you know, the, the other point that they are trying to have is it brings addicts in so that they can begin talking to them about you know, recovery and this yeah. kind of stuff. Because, yeah, I heard that goes on. Even So even even with, I, I, I think I heard about something they were doing in Holland where they were, you know, people who had basically ended up in the streets, they were kind of, you know, um, giving them alcohol for work. But it wasn't just, you know, they also had kind of people in there trying to convince them, you know, offering them kind of other other options. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's something that we're finding pop up in quite a lot of places in Europe. Yeah. And the states? Did you, did you mention somewhere in the states? Was it Canada that you heard somewhere? I haven't really seen much of it in the states mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, yeah, I haven't seen too much of it in, in the states. I mean, would it be fair to say, like, the, I mean, like to kind of go to the other extreme, that by not offering harm reduction, it's, it's almost like penalizing people, like kind of punishing people who are already suffering. It could absolutely, and and, and it could be very much invalidating. That, that you know just because you're not ready you don't get any sort of help whatsoever yeah I mean one thing I suppose I mean, and this is again it's very difficult because you, you kind of like to say that everyone can change your life but it, like in reality is abstinence really a possibility for everyone personally I feel it does mm -hmm. absolutely you know maybe not at this point in time but it does 
And when it's not at that point in time, I suppose the harm reduction will keep them alive until maybe there is a, there is a better time. Yeah. And that's the, the intention of it, for sure. I mean, one of, the, one of the things we talked about before as well is that sometimes, um, like before the interview, like sometimes like the, there have been examples of kind of this like harm reduction actually turning out to be almost harmful. Like we were talking about the moderation management. And I remember moderation management in, in, the, in the 90s. I remember reading about it and being very, very excited by the idea that I could learn to uh, drink like a, like a normal person. But that didn't turn out too well, did it, for the person who started it? It didn't turn out well at all, actually. You know, the, the woman who started it, uh, she started it in 94, you know, and uh, didn't agree with, with the total abstinence model, you know, and all of the different support groups that were pushing it. So she tried to start moderation management, which uses different tools and goals to limit their drinking. And, and actually, by the year 2000, she realized that it wasn't working for her. Um, in a quite a dramatic way. Quite a dramatic way, yeah. In uh, March of 2000, she uh, got so drunk that she drove her car on the wrong side of the highway and killed the father and the, the 12-year-old daughter. Uh, and she ended up doing, uh, doing a little stint of jail time. Mm -hmm. And uh, she actually came out of it, uh, continued drinking, um, and eventually uh, took her own life. Now, that's actually not confirmed by the family, but that is uh, what the different psychiatrists uh, that were looking at the case feel. Because that would be a lot of guilt. Because I remember at the time, I mean, this is before if you, uh, the, the suicide stuff happened, I remember hearing about it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, this is during a period where I, st where I stopped drinking for about two years, and I suddenly became really interested in a way to be able to drink <laughs> safely. And that's a really interesting point, because mm -hmm. if you're trying to find a way to drink safely, then you're probably, you know, holding on to that drinking for Absolutely, reason, yeah. You know? And that's a very important point, and that's what I kind of say to people. I mean, the fact that you even want that, it says something, you know, that that's not a good thing. It does, because people who don't have a problem, who aren't alcoholics, if they didn't want to drink anymore, yeah. they wouldn't drink anymore. They yeah. would put it down. And yes. I, I, I can even say this to people who've been kind of sober for you know twenty or something years, and they relapse. And I, I kind of I, the way I see it, I mean, there was something seriously lacking from your life. You know that if if alcohol, the thing is, I think alcohol works in this kind of sense of being impoverished that we're really, really lacking something. But when you kind of get it, when you've really found something, it's got nothing more to offer. And I think so that 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 sign that we're kind of looking, you know, for to go of a way to go back to it shows that you know well hold on that means that I'm, I'm missing something and you know from my life absolutely and, and once that kind of life is built then you know that alcohol has no point exactly like you've said yeah so um obviously you know what we do here here at hope i mean we we don't in any way kind of uh, that's not our thing we're about abstinence absolutely you know harm reduction is is good it does exactly like it says it reduces the harm, mm. but it doesn't eliminate the yeah, harm. Yeah, so it's harm, redu it's, not, it's harm reduction, not harm removal. Exactly. Now, total abstinence, you know, and, and abstinence-based recovery has been proven time and time again to, you know, fulfill an individual's life, to get them on track, and, you know, really achieve that long-term recovery. Yeah, because it, it, it's kind of almost like... Um, 
a holding pattern. It's, 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 or, 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 what do we, what, what's the, um, it's almost like a kind of holding station, isn't it? It absolutely is. And at the end of the day, it is keeping the individual who is engaging in the harm reduction programs mm. in their addiction. Yes. You know, so the reality is they're still an active using addict. Mm -hmm. and, and it's very difficult, no matter how much the drugs, how, many, how much drugs they're taking, it's difficult for that person to excel in life. Yeah, so it's kind of like just allowing to hang on, basically. Exactly, exactly. Because you know, I, I kind of agree, and, and it may be, you know, it may be unfair, but like, I, I sometimes kind of see it, that, you know, it's kind of like, um, that nothing really much can happen until we, we completely give up these things. You know, yet we can be kind of we can minimize the harm and make life a bit easier on ourselves. But as far as kind of you know, achieving well-being, we're not going to get much closer, really. We're not. Or, or even if we do make any progress, we're just going to keep on going like, one step forward. You know, and keep on going back again. For sure. Um, we've kind of touched this already, but I mean, we could kind of say that you know, possibly though, harm reduction could kind of give people the motivation. It could absolutely. Um, you know, and that's another point of it, you know, yeah. is that, you know, people can start to see the life that they could be leading and decide that, that that's what they want. And it's that common here. I mean, do we, I know in your, that was in your case, but do we, do you see a lot of you, the clients you work with that they've kind of, you know, come from something like that? Absolutely. I've seen a number of people coming from methadone maintenance. I've seen a number of people coming from Suboxone maintenance who realize that, hey, this just isn't effective on a long-term basis mm -hmm. and you know even though they weren't using as badly as they were at one point their life is still just kind of stuck and you ever kind of get people kind of almost regretting that you know that the, the, the methadone that they, they kind of wish that they kind of had done this earlier absolutely all the time uh, all the time almost every single person who I see come off of methadone uh, wishes they would have come to treatment earlier. Because I've kind of heard what I've seen, like, you know, people can often find giving up methadone much harder than giving up heroin. Absolutely, it can, it can and stay in your body for much longer. So there is still significant harm from harm reduction. Mm. On what, this is a tricky question, you know, but on what basis would you recommend harm reduction? Obviously, we wouldn't to clients who are trying to achieve abstinence, but just say somebody who's listening to this. I mean, what, when, when would it be appropriate? That is a really tricky question. Yeah. Um, I think it would be appropriate if, if the individual just has no interest in being completely clean. Yeah, and what about family? I mean, if a family's in that position, I mean, because sometimes the advice is this kind of tough love. So if a family is in that position where, where a loved one is struggling, is this something that they might even want to They could recommend it. Uh, they could recommend it to the one who is struggling with the addiction mm. uh, in hopes that they'll agree to it and, and start to engage in some of the harm reduction. So it leads to something. This is keeping them a little bit safer, yeah. Um, why did you eventually choose... I mean, we kind of covered this, but just kind of, you know, why did you eventually choose abstinence? Well... The harm reduction model stopped working. Mm. I started to go out more than I was in and uh, destroyed my life. It, it was okay for some times to keep me off the streets, but uh, at the end of the day, it had no long-lasting effects on me. And uh, it got to the point where I was spending more days off than on, and then eventually completely off. And uh, it was the only option I had. But do you regret that whole experience? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not, because I I had tried to go to treatment. And, you know, I wasn't ready. I wasn't there yet. Like finally, are there any kind of resources you, you can recommend? I looked into this a little bit. Um, there's a number of quite good scholarly articles on um, uh, Google, Google right. Scholar. Um, what so would people look up? Uh, if they just search harm reduction versus uh, total abstinence, mm -hmm. um, they'll find a load of good scholarly articles written by psychologists and psychiatrists uh, who are quite advanced in the field. Um, and to try to get a better better idea. Yeah. And obviously can we want to emphasize again that really as far as we're concerned, you know, abstinence is by far the superior thing. Without even a question. Yeah. Absolutely. Well that's been great, Chris. If, did, is, are there anything you feel that we, we could add to that? Are, are you No, I think I think we've we've really covered it and, and kind of highlighted uh, you know the point and the goal of both of them. Uh, both abstinence and harm reduction. It was great having you on here again. Cool. Thanks, Paul.